Hello friends, we're back on this feed to discuss, debate, and maybe argue about the 2024 Oscars. As was the case last year, the nominees were announced and it turns out we've got a lot of work to do. 2023 was a stellar year for movies. Many important figures of Hollywood made interesting films and there was a very worthy list of nominees. Imagine a year where Michael Mann, Ridley Scott, and David Fincher all made long gestating passion projects and not a single one received a nomination. For those new to the feed, welcome and thank you for joining. My name's Matt, I'm a teacher, I'm a film lover and I take this all very seriously. And with me will be my wife, Christina, who's also a teacher and much more interested in reading and human interaction and has a much more lighthearted approach to this. Together, we're going to examine each of the 10 nominated films and offer our explanations for why each film could win an Oscar on the big night. We won't always agree, we will veer off track, and we may spar verbally on our takes, hence our honey title. We're so happy you're listening, and we hope you enjoy the return of Ballot Boxing. We're in a new location today, so it was a little echoey. That's why we've moved to the dining room in order to acquire better internet. (laughs) Because we've had too many sessions that we've recorded seven or eight minutes of really good stuff, only to have the internet drop us in the basement. And the crappy free recording software we use has not then saved that automatically. It just decides it's not worth keeping. Yeah, it never existed. Um, I would like to start this podcast off by saying... Go Taylor's boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Super Bowl weekend. We're headed into Super Bowl Sunday. And uh... that gives us about a month until the Oscars show takes place. Mm -hmm. And this is our fifth film that we're discussing. So we're on pretty good pace. Are you sure? Reasonably sure, yes. Barbie, Maestro. The Holdovers. The Holdovers. And um... Poor Things. Poor Things. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I'm surprised by that. So we're halfway there. And um, Mm -hmm. I I think without getting too far out over our skis here, this is presently both of our favorite of the five. Top one. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. I see this in the holdovers being like 1A and 1B, and I don't know. You'll flip a coin. No. And I actually think I'll I'll talk about it later, but I think that that might actually be problematic for both of those films' chances for the Oscars because I think they're... Like the liberals and the NDP. They're on each other's corner. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I like this one better than The Holdovers, shockingly, if you listen to The Holdovers episode. Uh, but it's because this one, I think, had more to say. Yes, I agree. Yes, and yeah, that's why that's sure. why I like it better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so this it's a tough one to find. Uh, we had to go to the theater to see it. Mm-hmm. Did a double bill. Did the double bill. Mm-hmm. This was far and away the more enjoyable of the two. Well, and I was saying to you after the shows, I'm glad we watched this one first and then Poor Things, because I think if it had been the other way around... We, I don't know we would have been in the mood to see another movie after Poor Things. And I think that it would have made this one seem so much exponentially better that we would have like a little bit of a flawed interpretation of it. Yeah, I would hate to think that I was sitting there for the first 20 minutes of this movie thinking about yeah. Emma Stone. Furiously jumping. Furiously jumping mm-hmm. and, and how confusing and annoying that movie was mm-hmm. ultimately. And not fully taking this one in. Mm-hmm. Like we, we saw this really 
without any real knowledge of what it was about. Mm-hmm. I think I'd seen one trailer. I had seen nothing. And I, I, uh, and I love going I into was, a good movie that way. Yeah, I was so happy yeah. to just be there with these characters mm-hmm. and and, uh, and have the story told. It was a story very well told. Yes, agreed. So, um, I, summary I'm, I'm, time. Yeah, ordinarily you don't don't write anything down, but no. you felt like it was necessary in this case to yes. write down your summary. So yes, and you and I disagreed on this. So I my first note on the summary is it opens with the N word, and. Uh, you were saying that you thought that that put us in. So it opens with a professor and author, our main character, Monk, writing the title of a book on a whiteboard that includes the N-word. And one of his students is white students, female white students, is so offended by this word that she argues with him and ends up leaving class. And there's a very funny line when he says, like, I've gotten over it. I think you should be able to. And she says, well, I don't see why I should have to. It's like, this is ridiculous. But that's the whole movie is. Yes. The whole movie is that very line where she says, I don't think I should have to. Yes. I've gotten over it. I think you should too. Yeah. I don't think I should have to is, is what the whole film's about. Mm-hmm. And it's also just about, well, what, you go ahead. We'll get there. Yeah. But And you were saying that you thought that put the audience, like us white moviegoers in the audience in the same position as her. But I thought it introduced him in a sympathetic way. Like in a, oh, he's like a, he's like a white person safe space, you know, like, oh, oh, look, this, I, this is, this is going to be like a different kind of black movie. And ultimately it is. Yeah. Because it's trying to show real black people going through ordinary things in their lives. Mm-hmm. The whole subplot of this with him taking on a pseudonym and mm-hmm. writing an audaciously brazen, ghettoized. ghettoized novel pandering to a white audience because it that's the representation of blackness they're comfortable with consuming mm-hmm. juxtaposes so beautifully against just an ordinary story of a guy trying to sort out care for his mom mm-hmm. and trying to his crazy family yeah manage mm-hmm. his siblings mm-hmm. and manage tragedy and have a bit of a relationship mm-hmm. This is my speak louder, Matt. Speak louder. I'm giving you all of these symbols, all these hand gestures to speak louder. Okay. I'm going to, I'm just going to read what I wrote. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying not to wake the kids up. Well, I don't care if we wake them up. All right. It's the pod, Matt. Do it for the pod. The pod. The pod. Academic professor and author Monk challenges his students and to his shock is put out on a leave because of it. So he's at a university and he gets put on leave because he's, written the n-word on the board and she this this one student is offended but apparently there's been previous transgressions but it's all kind of along the same vein he heads home to his hometown for a conference that happens to be in boston and reconnects with his also successful family out of a sense of duty and obligation he, he's not looking forward to seeing these people in the middle of a long overdue heart to heart with his sister she has a heart attack and dies leaving him in charge of his elderly mother who is in a declining cognitive state his brother, a lawyer who was recently divorced, comes home for the funeral and is relieved to be a cocaine-using gay guy suddenly. Monk's priority is figuring out his mother's situation, as despite having three successful children, life circumstances have led the family to have limited funds. In the midst of it all, Monk visits the, uh, the conference that was a reason for the trip to begin with and wanders into a talk by a new Black author with a hit book. Monk is disgusted by what he sees as a narrow, narrow narrative that was not well written. Narrow telling. Uh, that black people are put into from ghetto, uh, they're from the ghetto, drug users, violent, and that they somehow overcome these obstacles. As a joke, he writes a novel with these tropes and sends it to his publisher, who begrudgingly sends it out under a pen name. To everyone's surprise, it gets immediately picked up and Monk is offered a hefty advance. Now Monk is torn between the ethical obligations he feels as a successful black person to not perpetuate the stereotype of black people 
and the very real financial responsibility he now has for his mother. When his book is nominated for a literary award that he happens to sit on the judging panel of, he will have to make a decision one way or the other. I don't want to spoil this book, uh, this this movie. Here's the thing. And it is a book. Too. It is also a book. So here's the thing. Is it like I didn't care about spoiling poor things because like I don't care if anybody ever sees that movie. I want everyone we know to watch this movie, so I'm not going to spoil it. And like there's other subplots too that I didn't talk about here. Mm -hmm. Like the um, the woman who's helped that there's like a, a helper lady who lives who sort of lives with them and helps the mom out and has for a really long time. You almost get the impression she was maybe a nanny for the kids or something. And like she has like a, a late blossoming love affair and yeah. ends up getting married and whatever. So a third act yeah. romance. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not even talking about those because the, the main point of the of the movie is about like just black people living living their lives. Just people. Just people. Just people living their lives who happen to be black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's um I think it's really, really clever. Mm -hmm. I think it's like filled with interesting detail mm -hmm. and yet it was also very relatable like was... i didn't i didn't find it alienating in no. any way or like a representation of a culture i couldn't understand it was, it was it's funny. the same yeah it mm -hmm. was genuinely very funny but it's also like the same problems that you know hopefully we don't have to face but like theoretically you could face mm -hmm. where you know you've got aging parents and mm -hmm. financial obligations and you know how much how much yeah, I, I, not to, I don't want to draw too many close parallels to our own lives, but it seemed very relatable. Yes. Very what, real. One of my thoughts I had was, is this a movie that, like, I wonder how, I hope we're interpreting it properly, is really what I'm trying to say. I hope we're interpreting properly. I hope the point of it was not to, like, like, oh, we're going to make white people who watch this movie identify with these black people. In order to do that, they have to be X, Y, and Z. I don't know. I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I just hope that we're viewing it the right way. Yeah, I, I just, I got the sense that the point was that it's a frustrating thing to have to fall into the mold and the expectations of an uncritical unthinking and inherently racist white audience mm -hmm. in order to gain public um, notoriety mm -hmm. that that he has to sort of sell out and do the things that like he's watching movies on television he's watching the news and black people are depicted so negatively mm -hmm. and he doesn't he doesn't want that mm -hmm. he wants just to live his life and well, he says at the beginning, I'm living in a post-racial world. And his publisher says, well, that's good. Nobody else is. Yeah. Right? You're the only one that is. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the message is that, like, ultimately, he ends up having to. You don't want to spoil it. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it. No. But, but like, it is it is just, like, an interesting. It's, an, it's a really interesting take. And I, th I think it's really fresh and, like, good, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. Let's take a quick break. Okay. And we'll come right back. weekend you're wearing a holter i am and it's so uncomfortable related to charlie's heart condition you are now being examined in case there's some every year genetic connection every year i'm being examined which is just really really fun and this is like a a fun fun extra test i get to have yeah. um and it's very itchy so i'm just if you hear a lot of that kind of thing let me tell you 
I wish I did. I wish I wasn't wearing it. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, so back to the movie. Yeah. Um, let's... So anyway, Christina's suffering. I can't so help, anyway, I can't help you. I can't help you. There's with nothing this. that can be done. No. You just have to tough it out. Yeah, I suppose. Tough it out. And okay, go ahead. If one of us has to be tough, it's better to see you. You know that I can't mm -hmm. tough anything. Mm -hmm. um, so if American fiction wins Best Picture, mm -hmm. what are the reasons for it winning? Ooh, there's so many. Right, fresh take. I think I think that American fiction guarantees the holdovers doesn't win. Okay. Because you've got important questions about race, important questions about race in the United States, right? All the Academy voters are American, correct? Yeah. Okay. So important. I think it's actually I think there's more of an international body, but they're primarily American. Okay. So important important questions about race in the United States. Um, approachable movie for white audiences. Right, race in an approachable way, which is not always the case. Um, great acting performances, great cinematography. They own a beach house in this, and it's like beautiful. I kept thinking, why, why don't we have a beach house? Um, there's something because we're not doctors. Because we're not doctors and, and famous authors. That's <laughs> Lawyers, right. Yeah. That's right. We're not. Um, and like all of the elements of a good movie, and it's funny. It's entertaining, not just approachable, not serious and approachable. It's all kinds of different kinds of funny, and it's too. it's all different kinds of funny. Yeah, nice. I just feel like it has a good shot at winning. However, the funny could also be a detractor because the Academy does not technically usually like uh, they like They like dramas that make you laugh, but they don't like comedies. Right. Yeah. And this one kind of walks the line. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. You, did you have more thoughts as to why it might win? Yeah, I had I got like six points. Six? Oh, well, um, go ahead, honey. So, but I agree with you. Matt's going to riff. It's a message. It's a film with a message, and that message is going to resonate with the Academy. Mm. Um, Big dame. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's topical. Mm -hmm. It's what people are interested in discussing. Mm -hmm. And it's done in a very clever way. Yes. I think it's genuinely quite funny. Mm -hmm. And like, like as I said, it's funny in different ways. There's some almost farcical elements uh, to, the, to the comedy. There's political stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great line at one point where um, Jeffrey Wright and Issa Rae are on this panel of judges, mm -hmm. five five person panel of judges. It's judging all these novels, mm -hmm. and the other three are white people. And <laughs> the at one point, the three white people are all sitting on one side of the table, and the two black people are sitting on the other side of the table. And the, the white woman, the Karen of the group, says, "We really need to start listening to black voices." After, after outvoting. After outvoting and disagreeing with the two black writers at the table who yeah. both were not in favor of supporting a book. Can we talk about one other line that, that, the, yeah. that I thought that's really stayed with me? I've thought about it a couple of times since we saw the movie. Is when Jeffrey Wright and Issa Rae are having that conversation, just the two of them. And he's sort of accusing her of writing a book that just treats black people as stereotypes. Just, well, it was really well researched and blah, blah, blah. And he says... Um, but your writing has so much more potential. And she fires back right away and says, potential is what people see when what's in front of them isn't good enough. And I thought, that's like a really... And that, that line gets to just hang there. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing those two say to each other mm -hmm. before they're interrupted. Yeah. And, it's, and there's no answer to that. No, and I don't think that's right, actually. Because I think it just means... I, I don't think it means that whatever isn't good, whatever you're talking about that has potential isn't good enough. I don't think that's correct because Charlie and Elizabeth have a lot of potential, but it doesn't mean I don't think that they're not good enough. I think it just means that there is development that can still happen mm -hmm. in the future. It doesn't mean that what you are right now isn't good enough. I think that that's not 
not reading that word properly. Well, and that, that gets into the concept of like microaggressions and where they are like, did he mean it as a microaggression? Did mm-hmm. he mean it in that negative way? Mm-hmm. Or did he mean it in a positive way? And it's all up to the interpretation of the person receiving the information. That's right. In her case, she's choosing to receive that in a negative way. Um, and I suppose that how she receives it in this present context is what matters most, not what his intent was. Mm-hmm. And his intent, I mean, he is a teacher. It's worth noting that mm-hmm. he's a teacher, a professor, and that he is like, that is his, sort of his game as he pushes writers and writing in a particular direction, seeing potential, seeing opportunities for growth and improvement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, see, I can see opportunities for growth and improvement without being completely negative on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a good line. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's and but I like the way that that line just hangs there mm-hmm. in the movie because mm-hmm. um, it's spoken between the two black characters at that, that moment, and it just um, it's two sides of an argument about what the path forward is mm-hmm. to be successful yeah. in integrating in the United States. Yeah. Right. Um, and like this movie sort of raises this notion of like it, there's some there's some lines like his mother who's suffering from dementia or alzheimer's at one point um jeffrey wright brings one of the neighbors over who he's dating he's romantically interested in and the mother first thing she says is at least she's not white i'm glad you're not white i'm glad you're not and white. she says so am i so am i yeah. yeah um and there's this like interesting look at like the parallel cultures mm-hmm. right um rather than like, it seems to me like Issa Rae's character and Erica Alexander's character are content to remain othered, mm-hmm. um, to remain isolated, to remain inside of their own community and culture, mm-hmm. which they're perfectly satisfied being in and mm-hmm. like the way they're represented in. Jeffrey Wright's character seems, Thelonious, seems to want... Well, we've been calling him Monk so far. Monk, yeah. We should, we should clarify. Yeah, his, his real first name is Thelonious, mm-hmm. as in Thelonious Monk. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the, their affectionate nickname for him, which I'm not going to say here, is actually like one of those sort of funny things that's on the nose mm-hmm. racially, yes. right? Um, yeah, and his character wants like a post-racial world, wants yes. wants people to see them for who they are. Yeah. So it's just an interesting conversation. I like, and who are we to speak on this? But I think that probably in the black community, this would be a more controversial film. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to talk to somebody that. that is black and has seen it and has like an opinion on it because yeah. I feel like that's the only right way to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. All we're doing is offering our, yeah. Our, outsider, our, our outsider thoughts. Opinion. Yeah. Okay. So quickly, I just, some of the other things I think that uh, the movie's immediately rewatchable and it would deserve a second look. I think it'd be a rewarding second look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably lines and out moments that um, we saw as throwaway that actually mattered mm-hmm. in the long run. And I, I think really like, Deconstructing the ending, which is pretty meta, mm-hmm. um, would be would be an interesting exercise. Yes, like truth versus fiction, and the title being American fiction, like mm-hmm. the whole thing's a lie, but it's very American. Like the, it's a it's a brilliant title. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought of that too when I was the the title notes. of the book is Erasure. Yes, um, which I like. I'm, I would like to read the book now too. Yes, it's, it's not always the case that that would happen. Um, I think that the movie has got a little bit of a Hollywood insider element at the end and um, Hollywood likes to, um, they like movies that are about movies, self-reflective, self-referential. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's also worth noting that the acting performances here are 
outstanding. Yes. Jeffrey Wright like totally becomes this character. Yes. He's entirely believable. There's not a disingenuous moment ever. Um, Sterling K. Brown is so good. He's very good. He has like a showy role. He gets to sort of like drop in and drop back out again. Yeah. He is an agent of chaos essentially. Yes. Um, and he's very good. I thought that um, the actress that played his sister, whose mm -hmm. name is escaping me right now, but perhaps you can help Tracy me. Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross. She's so good. From she's on and Black tiny Earth. little role in this. Yeah. And she's so good. It's a great role. And Erica Alexander of the Cosby Show yeah. and uh, Different World um, performs quite well. Mm -hmm. Two John Ortiz is his agent. Um, even Adam Brody in a in a small little role as a Hollywood insider. Mm -hmm. All very very good. Um, and then you've got Core Jefferson, who wrote and directed. Mm -hmm. um, this is his debut performance, debut uh, work as a pretty director. Good, pretty good debut uh, work yeah. there. And I still think maybe like you know capitalize on that and, and reward greatness when you see it. I don't think he needs to prove anything or make another film in order for him to be mm -hmm. worthy of uh, the notoriety here, because this is an excellent movie. Yes. So I guess we take a break now, and and uh, well, I guess we can make a case why the movie might not win, but I. I don't even know. I don't want to. I don't want to make that case necessarily, I'm but tired. I have a point or two. All right. Okay, why I wouldn't win? I yeah. Questions. I'm in bed. I'm so tired. Okay. Okay. Um, one is that the audience may not get the message. Oh, I don't I think, know about that. Well, if, if if you're looking at it like superficially, uh, and it's just. No. Somebody might look at that ending and go, well, which is it? What happened? I guess. And I maybe a little frustrated, a little too much thinking necessary, although I don't necessarily think that would be a detractor. Again, I'm like kind of grasping at straws here. It's not, it's, and it's not like the American public voting on this, right? Like mm -hmm. it's the Academy. It's people who know movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know if that's yeah. much of a point. <laughs> um, I think another one is that the competition with the holdovers, like they're, I think yeah, they're on each other's they're corner. Gonna, yeah, they're going to cancel each other out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to win either, but I just feel like it should. Bill Simmons calls it a market correction, mm -hmm. right? Like they're, they're, they're interfering with each other's. Fan of the pod, Bill Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> strong, it was a strong male lead performance, yeah. dryly funny, roughly the same length. Um, you know, I, the, the journey inward. Yes. All that stuff. I think that that. That may be a reason why it, it may not win. And yeah. then um, the last reason, and maybe you want to vamp for a minute or two here, is the number of screens that it's on uh, in North America. Like this was actually pretty tough to find, pretty tough to see. Well, we to be fair, we did see it in our like suburban small town here, but it's not the easiest movie to see, and you have to go to the movie theater, and it's probably not going to be streaming legally before it's definitely streaming illegally. By the way, um, before the oscars and i just absolutely hate that i hate it so much i think it's so ridiculous yeah. i mean we talked about it we last time, so i don't want to talk about it again yeah. but like it's just so silly so yeah that's true that, but but i mean again it's not the public voting on this it's the academy and they get screeners yeah but right? like i they have the secret um what's the thing from the dan brown books like the secret society Opus Day or whatever. No, that's not what it's called. Whatever the the, the secret, Illuminati. The Illuminati. They have the Illuminati. What's Opus Day. I don't know. They have the uh, some Catholic thing. They have the they have the Illuminati uh, Oscars uh, streaming service that we aren't allowed right. to have. Yeah. That I've decided now. But I think that like there are some voters who don't take this nearly as seriously as even we're taking it right now. Well, that's ridiculous. And may uh, base their 
vote in part on popularity. Mm. And so a movie like Barbie or Oppenheimer mm -hmm. or even Killers of the Flower Moon, which made, actually I don't think Killers made all that much money. I'll check. Um, might, you know, it, this is like a little indie gem. The critics like it. It won the fan favorite award at TIFF. But, you know, it's it's not widely seen, so it's probably easier to gloss over than uh, Oppenheimer would be, for instance. What was I getting irritated about the pool? When we started talking about the summary, and I was like, oh, we'll just save it for the pod, because you and I started disagreeing about something. Maybe we did already talk about it. Yeah, I think we have. Okay, that's good. I'm just looking at what, what um, Killers of the Flower Moon made. Yeah, I don't think it's very much, because it right. didn't get released a, like on a wide number of screens. Oh, okay. Um, it sort of made the festival. Uh, budget was $200 million. Yep. Gross worldwide was $156 million. So it didn't even make yeah, its money it lost back. money. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, and and it, as an Apple movie, it doesn't look like it's going to get a Blu-ray release because Apple doesn't do physical media. Right. We're just listening to the, um, the the big picture with Sean Fennessy and Tim Simons, and they were... Friend of the pod? Geeking out about... Um, <laughs> Blu-rays and it was it was great. Yeah, it was, they're of course it was. Language because they're talking about like acquiring things and when you get when do you go buy something that's used versus when you buy something that's new and how do you know if something's worth buying? Um, weeding the collection. These are your people, Matthew. I know. These are your people. I know. I'd love to oh spend an afternoon with these guys, but they're they're, they're famous. They're big rollers now. High rollers. Um, when we go to California eventually, we should just go stalk them. Is what we need to do. You just mm. get me photos. I'm good at meeting famous people. You know this. I'm getting much better. Yeah. And I'll stalk them in an appropriate way, and I'll find them for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully, I don't get arrested. You wouldn't get arrested. I'd get arrested. All right. So, um, my questions. These are weak questions. Like I. I it's worth saying once again, I loved this movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really, really good. Mm -hmm. And often my questions are sort of nitpicky things mm -hmm. or sort of humorous. And like, I wouldn't want to do anything to dissuade people from seeing this. Because mm -hmm. I think it's like really, really good, really, yeah. really thoughtful. And one of the best movies I've seen all year, period. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen a few more of these. Mm -hmm. like I, I like this better than I liked Oppenheimer. Right. And I like this better than I like Killers of the Flower Moon. So if I'm voting with my heart, mm -hmm. this is this and the holdovers are at the top of my list, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, although we haven't seen Past Lives yet, mm -hmm. uh, and we haven't seen Zone of Interest, and we haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall. I'll tell you right now, Past Lives isn't going to win Best Picture. No, but it, it it won so many critics over early on. It was so widely praised early in the year, mm -hmm. and that's not dissimilar to the path that Everything Everywhere All at Once took, mm -hmm. where it was like a critical darling early in the year and then kind of went away. This is in English too. Past, Past lives, lives is in English. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's just started. What Asians. one is not? Zone of interest is not. Oh. And anatomy of a fall is not. Oh my God. I have to go see a depressing Holocaust movie that's subtitled in German. Yeah. Oh no. Listen, listen, darling. Our first date. I know. Was seeing downfall with Bruno Gans. That's because I was newly madly in love with you and I would have gone to I don't know. Do you know how close tugboat all night? You know how close that was to like you. You've seen Taxi Driver, right? Have you seen Taxi I Driver? I think I saw it. Once. Do you remember when Robert De Niro takes Sybil Shepherd to the movies and he takes her to a porno theater? No. And she's like appalled. Like I, I didn't realize at the time what was at stake. No, no, but like we go watch a movie about the downfall of Hitler mm -hmm. and the like, the end of the Third Reich and his suicide, and it's grim as hell. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> Yeah, like that could. But that, that, Are we that, gonna go to the sleepless goat afterwards yeah, for the, chai lattes? Yeah, um, rest in peace. That oh, place. I'm so good. The uh, the fact that yeah, I should have known right there and then that I'd found somebody special, somebody <laughs> who would 
<laughs> sit with me through that. Given yes. now the how like little time you have for <laughs> I, foreign I, films. Okay, to be to be clear, I I loved uh, Parasite. If it's a foreign film, this has to be a really good foreign film. Yeah. And I, there's no way past lives. Well, okay, I didn't know that it was. It's not, it's not even I, a foreign film. Okay. Okay. Well, this is. I'm coming off and I'm great in this conversation, <laughs> but I'm just saying I don't think it's going to win. I think that we've already seen things. That I can't imagine it's better than. I think Past Lives is like a multilingual film. I think there's as much English in it as there's any other language. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So off topic. Some questions. I'm ready. Sterling K. Brown. Yes. Do you buy him as a gay guy? No, I didn't. Buy yeah, him I didn't. I didn't guy. either. No, but I also. He's newly gay. He's newly gay, and he's. Well, he's newly out of the closet. Theoretically, he's always been gay. Um, but I also don't know this again. Stereotypes. Maybe, maybe his character is gay for a reason. Because, like, no, I don't particularly buy him as gay. But I'm sure there are gay men out there who don't identify with like being flamboyant, over the top cross dressers. Like, it's not like the, the stereotype that everybody has. In, well, that I have in my head. I know people that aren't like that that are gay. So. Or, or oh, Matt's dropping stuff off the table. Right. Um, or lesbians that aren't that aren't like short-haired, motorcycle-wearing, like all those stereotypes, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just think I think I don't know. I don't think it matters that I don't buy him this right. way because he absolutely could be still. Okay. Sub question. Sub question. How did he get those abs? I also would love to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they put the work in. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, he looks very athletic. Mm -hmm. Very athletic. Very fit. Athletic. Sure, um, go with that. If there could only be one. Oscar nomination for acting like he Sterling K Brown and Jeffrey Wright are both nominated for best actor but if only one of them could be nominated if Jeffrey you Wright you you say Absolutely. Jeffrey Absolutely yeah yeah there's okay. a it's a problem when I say I don't find this gay guy. Um, no, I no, I absolutely he's great. Sterling K. Brown is great in this movie. It's a showier performance. Jeff, he well, and that's just, just that's just he doesn't even have to seem as like a real person. That's who his character is. Yeah. But Jeffrey Wright, Sterling K. Brown is a great performance. Jeffrey Wright is better. Yeah. One of my questions you've already answered, which was the beach house. Would you want to rent it or own it? Oh, probably rent it. I mean, yeah. you know us. We're not handy people. So, yeah. and that seemed like it would take a lot of upkeep. Yeah. Well, everything was just damp, right? Damn. Like your ocean side, Atlantic Ocean, yeah. the storms sand, that would come in in the winter. Sand everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Last one. So he has a funny pseudonym name, and I'm not giving you nearly enough time to think about this. Mm. If you were a writer, what would your pseudonym be if you were writing something that you were embarrassed about? Oh, my God. I don't know. I had a suggestion. Okay. It came to me. You want to pull something from your from your childhood. Okay. I thought Adelaide Linton. Oh, that's good. You like that one? What would yours be? Oh, I don't know. Brian. Brian? Yeah, I just on Brian Boulevard. Oh. Brian Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. That Brian, sums me up. Brian Blue. Yeah. Miserable assholes. <laughs> Oh, that's it's good. a Dutch name. Adelaide Linton's good. I'm going to write under that from now on. That's good. All my, all my best-selling best books that are upcoming. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all we've got time for, people. Right. Next up, depressing German film on Sunday, Zone of Interest. Can't wait. Ugh, I can wait, but that's fine. See you next time. Chat soon. Thanks for listening.